This week, the podcast is sponsored by the Imperial Bank of Botherton. If you have a mountain of gold coins looted from an unfortunately deceased goblin tribe, or a cache of valuable gems liberated from a sadly demised commune of bugbears, you'll find no better place to store it. The Imperial Bank of Botherton's vault is guarded by nuclear bear owls, and its adamantine doors are enchanted by the greatest mage in all the... Oh, wait, I think there must be an error. I'm the greatest mage in all the world. Who is, who is this pretender? Who? Who? I demand to know! All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week, as always, is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild Royal Fairs. And Russ, as ever, I am absolutely delighted to be here. Which I've got to say, it's quite a long streak. A long streak? Yes, yeah, so of being delighted to be in the same place at the same time. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm just happy to be here. What can I say? Well, it's been it's actually been quite a long time since we've been in the same place at the same time. It's been entirely too long. Yeah. Uh, I, I, def- I definitely miss Hudson. Um, hey, Peter, yeah. would you care to introduce our guest? I would like to, to do. We have Eugenio Vargas, the GM and chief streamer of the Into the Motherlands RPG, as well as an extremely talented theatre actor. Is it musical theatre? It is. I'm assuming you're extremely talented because you keep on being in it. So <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a fairly decent indicator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you were all fast, then they just like say, oh, oh okay. You well, know, we've got like, another yeah, direction. Well, <laughs> yeah. But no, they keep asking you back. And that's always has, we know from GMing, the mark of ultimate quality. Yeah, That's right. Right then. So we're going to talk about Into the Motherlands a little bit later, but for now, shall we jump into the RPG news? Because there's quite a lot of it this week. It's been an eventful week. Oh, we've got it all this week. We've got sales. We've got hot gossip. We've got lawsuits. That was the hot gossip. Big D&D releases. We've got all sorts of things. Wait, is there other hot gossip that I don't know about? Ooh, we'll find well, out. Well, welcome to the show, uh, where we're going to talk about the news this week. Well, perfect. <laughs> uh, of course, if you do have anything to say, do, do hop in. Like, yeah, yeah. long rambling stories are virtually part of the podcast. It would be wrong not to have them. Uh, yes. So, what would you like to start with, then? Would you like to start with D&D releases? Would you like to start with the hot gossip? What would you, want to, what would you like to start with? Ooh, um, I think we should start with the, with the laws. Because I'm like, wow. <laughs> like, okay, that was, that so, was the thing that made me sit up. Like, okay. considering the competition, it's big. But that one, in a special, made me go, oh, I say. Okay. But before we start, there is one thing I do want to quickly mention. You know, every year we do our favourite RPG podcasts of the year poll. Yes. We did one it, last year. We did one the year before. And then we do the countdown of the uh, top voted podcast of the of, of the year. Yeah, uh, Ian World is, in particular does like a big whole pile of them, and this is what we're after. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. the nominations have launched on Ian World. Yes. You can go and nominate your favourite tabletop RPG podcasts right now. They close in about a week, after which the big public poll will start, and they will all be voting um, for you know the top uh, podcast in both the talk and the actual play categories 
Okay. So and it'd be really nice if someone voted for our podcast as well, because as of yet, nobody has, which is really mildly nice embarrassing. Nominates our podcast. That would be super yeah. nice. Like, hint, 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 hint. Um, I, I believe we would be the talk factory, and mm-hmm. Antonio would be from the uh, actual play. You yes. see two birds That's while brilliant. you're there nominating this show. You can nominate The Last Refuge for the actual play category. It's going to be great. Fantastic. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah, if we if we don't both win, then um, yeah. Well, then I clearly wrong. that's right. <laughs> yeah. The voting is rigged. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> we should demand recounts. <laughs> no, no, sorry. I don't we're, know we're, if it's funny or dark, but I'll laugh so I don't cry. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is yeah. it a bit of both? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. All right, let's, let's, let's talk yeah. about these lawsuits, right. shall we? Yeah. From one dark topic to another, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. of the Coast, who, as we all know, is the producer of Dungeons and Dragons, is being sued for the second time in a month for breach of contract and duty implied breach of duty of good faith. Mm. Last time, it was by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, as you recall. Yes. yes. This time, mm-hmm. it's by Gale Force Nine, mm. who are the company who produce a lot of uh, you know cards so and miniatures and yeah. uh, DM screen. Just loads of accessories for, yeah. for D&D and other games, but yeah, yeah, yeah. the D&D bits are the important bits in this case. Yeah. Uh, and they also uh, sub-license translation works. In okay. non-US territories, mm-hmm. which I believe is where this dispute stems from. Mm. Now it's hard to say because the actual um, the actual text of the filing isn't available yet. I'm I'm told it will be publicly available soon when it filters through whatever processes it has to go through because mm-hmm. it was only it literally only filed yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've only got a little bit of information here. But basically, it looks like Wizards of the Coast wanted to end their licensing licensing agreement with Gale Force 9 a year early due to some dissatisfaction with some performance by some um, sub-licenses translations. Right. As I understand it. I think it was a Korean translator and another. I'm not sure what the other one was. So Gale Force 9, in Wizards of the Coast opinions, produced some, had some people who produced sub- Standard quality apparently, translation? Apparently. apparently. As, as, far, as far as we know, we don't know all the details. No. So the, the, the problem lies, however, um, I mean, this is all covered in the licensing agreement and um, there's a sort of, if you breach it, you've got time to cure the breach and so forth. So that's mm-hmm. all perfectly normal when it happens. Yeah. But do you remember when uh, they had that issue with Weiss and Hickman? They just turned around and said, oh, we want to we want to end the contract because we can't. We're just going to not approve anything from now on. And that's yeah. what they were getting sued for. Mm, mm. It looks like they're doing the same thing here. Well, this is, this is what this is what Gale Force 9 say. Yeah. I mean, I've no reason to doubt them. But that, that would seem like a bold move mm. to say, basically, we're just going to not approve anything because that... I mean, I'm not a lawyer. You should, definitely should not take legal advice from this podcast for <laughs> me in particular, right? But my, my limited understanding of contracts is that's not how contracts work. Someone's going to have a bad time, but yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll probably know more by next week because the yeah. actual lawsuit will be publicly viewable. Yeah. So we can probably cover it in more detail next week. But um, yeah, they, they, filed, they filed a suit. Well, it was on the 17th, actually. When was the 17th? A couple of days ago. Three days yeah. ago. It'll be three days 
uh, or more if you're listening in the future, which you will be. Yeah, and they're yeah. suing them for nearly a million dollars. Oh, okay. Which is rather a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I wish I had a million dollars. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we all. Yeah, it's a strange situation. I, I, I'm, I'm with you, Peter, that it, it feels like there must be another side to it, because it feels like sort of an obvious breach of good faith no. agreement, which seems like no. something that a, a big company that is owned by a bigger company that's owned by an even bigger company sort of would yeah. know better. So I feel like there must mm. be two sides, but I, I, my sort of take is that, and I, I should say, because mm. I do have a lot of friends that work at Wizard of the Coast, I should mm. say up front, none of them have spoken to me about this. I have no, no insider knowledge. None of them no. have you know broken confidentiality. But my yeah. guess is that Watsi is trying to sort of consolidate things and move mm. to some new sort of, uh, I don't know, branding, marketing, something plan mm. that yeah. sort of requires them to consolidate their vendors and their licensees. And they're mm. just maybe not doing it in the uh, best legal. way, in the yeah, most maybe. legal of ways, is sort of my <laughs> guess as to how this might play out. But like you said, we'll find out more in about a week when the filing is actually, the text of the filing is actually available. I think as, as someone it said in the comments like, mm-hmm. on yeah. the news item, like once mm. is sort of happenstance, <laughs> twice is coincidence. <laughs> Three times and, is definitely and, enemy three action. Three times is enemy yeah. action. So, you yeah. know, it's, <laughs> it's it's sort of starting to become a pattern. If there's a third one in a month, then we're going to know that for sure. But, right, right. Um, I, I don't know. I'd have to go full importance of being earnest and say to have one more super against you is unfortunate to have two looks like carelessness. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm, but I imagine a large company gets them all the time. It's just that you don't necessarily hear about them all that much. Well, well these are major partners. Like, you yeah. have worked quite happily with them for literally years at a time. Yeah, so true, true, true. This, it sort of reminds me of, like, the switch from 3.5 to 4-fed, where they were like, oh, by the way, OGL, not a thing anymore. Okay. And well, that's not quite what they said. No, they can't, no, they can't close the OGL. They, they just said, yeah. we're not going to use it ourselves anymore. Yeah, yeah. But, but the OGL like, was still forward, there, and is still there to this day. It is, and very, very well used and so forth. But yeah, it's like, um, we're not going to support it anymore. And it sort of feels like they're just trying to... It's like it's got ebbs and flows. Like, oh, everyone can get in, fighted. Uh, everyone get out. I don't know. It's well, there's bizarre. also, I suppose, an issue is you get changing people running the show over there. Because mm, mm. in the time I've been reporting on D&D, and that's 20 years now, mm. I've, I've basically known or not known depending on which team it was various different management teams over the years mm. yeah. Yeah. so you know it's it, it does it does change from from you know team to team i think yeah well and yeah. i think we've seen i i think we've seen the team from hasbro has very different mm. goals than the top execs at wizards which has different goals mm. than the sort of rank and file designers yeah. and staff members at wizards so it, there's a lot of sort of levels of who knows oh. where what is coming from yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and Hasbro is a big company. It's yeah, a lot yeah. of people mm. involved. Oh yeah. Who 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 can tell what this this disturbance on the surface tells us about the Leviathan politics that's uh, going on, isn't it? Definitely. <laughs> uh, should we switch to some better news? Yeah, yeah let's do. <laughs> yes. Uh, we should say so, something nice. They've 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 released a new product, which has been Ash's Cauldron of Everything. Yeah. Are you are you much of a fifth dead player? Oh, absolutely. My my yeah. intro into the gaming world was through my actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Uh, oh, that's sort of where okay. I jumped into the industry as more than, you know, a hobbyist. So absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. have, have we seen Tasha's Cauldron yet? Uh, I have flipped through. I, I am uh, a little delinquent in getting my first <laughs> release day read through, but I've, I've flipped through yeah. bits and pieces. 
Peter, you uh, you had a look? Um, listener Lee Donovan very kindly let me have a look at the D&D Beyond copy, uh, mm-hmm. which is, like, you know, it's pretty interesting. Um, so I can't really comment on the physical appearance, so I'm unable to give to our listeners, who I know are all waiting for it, the actual weight of the book. Um, that, that's, that's a very important thing. We, we, we still do not have this important information at this time. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I liked what I saw. I just felt a little underwhelmed. Uh, I guess it's because this is like one of, there's been like what, two, three splat books worth the candle in six years, and this is supposed to be Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, which is a big name. It's like you're promising a lot of stuff, like Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which was pretty, you know, pretty revolutionary in its ways, mm. and this feels lesser. I mean, it's got like a lot of stuff for players in. Which is absolutely fantastic. Is that there maybe because you've seen a lot of it before in Unearthed Arcana? Do you think maybe that contributes to that feeling? Um, I definitely had a sense of deja vu coming from the Unearthed Arcana, but it's also like it felt like um, a less ambitious scope as well. Right. Uh, particularly for things like, as you know, I'm a, I'm a lot of an exploration nerd, and I looked at their physical hazards, and it was like, Again, this is on screen, but it felt like maybe a quarter page. It felt like mm. a real, real incidental, like a, just like a little throwing something in. They had a couple of pages of puzzles, but maybe, I'm just throwing this out here, adding information on puzzles into a book that all your players are going to want to read may not be the best strategy. Mm. But, you know, like, uh, as a player, I'd be like, okay, this looks quite good. I especially like the genie warlock, because if you put a genie on something, I'm going to be like, hey! I'm a, I'm a simple person with simple texts. Put a genie on it, I'd probably already like it. Fair enough. But, yeah. uh, and the rest of it was, yeah, it, it looked right. I'm sure some people will be very happy and other people won't. Um, I guess, yeah, speaking of underwhelming, the psionics, it's like it's we've got the soul knife and the psi warrior. I can't remember. Mm. Whichever it is, it's like they're both a couple of subclasses and really, I feel it needs its own workup. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, that, I, that, that's my thing. I, I, I had made my expectations were too high going in. I have not had time to look at the book, so I can't no. offer any commentary whatsoever, I'm afraid. <laughs> but I, I'll try to by next week. We can go into it again next week, maybe a little bit. But um, is yeah. it getting a generally good reaction, as far as I can make out online? I think so. Ooh. I think players, like exactly like you said, Peter, players are excited because it's new subclasses for... <laughs> is it all 13 classes? I think so. Uh, yes. They've one of the, the Artificer which could potentially be very big for the new season of Adventurers League or the right. new series of Adventurers League because that would open up a lot of doors for you. Yeah. Right, 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 right. I saw a really interesting discussion on Twitter uh, mm-hmm. that was sort of reacting to a reviewer's sort of take, which was very similar to what we've said so far here, which is mm-hmm. great for players, maybe a little underwhelming for DMs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw this really great take on that mm-hmm. that said, you know, Sure, that's a that's a that's a, a valid view and one that lots yeah. of people will have. Uh, but what this person, the point that this person made that I thought was so excellent was that we have to remember that there are a lot of, and frankly, this includes me in some ways, kind of, mm-hmm. I guess. But there are a lot of fifth edition DMs that don't have 20, 30 years of books and inspiration in their sure, back pocket yeah. Yeah. and yeah. some of the flavor text even for the player facing sections even for the subclasses and things like that there's a section mm. on uh, personalizing spells to your character and things like that oh, so yeah, yeah. this person's point was that even in player facing stuff she found that there was a lot of really really good DM inspiration for someone who doesn't have oh. you know 
three editions worth of of lore and yeah. and mechanics yeah. and inspiration behind her. And I thought that was a really good take. You know, this book may not be everything for super uh, long-term and experienced DMs, no, but I think there is value in bringing different points of view, even to the same old material for newer yeah. DMs to sort of let them know that they are allowed to play, that they're allowed to explore, mm. that they're allowed to tweak mm. and and finagle and and mess about with things. Mm. Um, so I, I, you know, in some ways, I, I sort of am with you, Peter. This is definitely a player-facing book. I am primarily a DM when I play D&D. But I... I think maybe I, when I really sit down and do like a full deep read of it, I'm going to try my best to sort of read it as a point of inspiration for flavor mm. and style more than anything mm. and see if maybe I get a little more out of it that way. Uh, you're, you're quite correct, actually. And what you were saying about the uh, influencing does actually remind me that this is actually one of the first occasions, to my knowledge, that Wizards of the Coast has stressed the importance of session zeros, of setting boundaries, and um, agreeing soft and hard limits. And defining them in the text. How much? Which, how much have they got in there of that? Ah, uh, less than a page. Uh, it, again, I guess, but they, they they got something in there which is more than they previously had. I think they've had like little bits in the DMG, but right. this is the first time they've really made it pretty explicit. But yeah, okay. it's definitely the first time in a hardcover that they have said the words session zero, that they have said the words you know limits, hard limits, soft oh. limits. They, it's the first yeah. time that they've sort of Social acknowledged contract. the social contract, oh. the specific sort of verbiage of that, which, you know, is important. Yeah. I think a lot of, well, I think a lot of people that play D&D that are part of the sort of Twitter-verse community that is very engaged are aware of these sorts of things. But I always, and this is terrible to say, I guess, but I always forget that there are people who play this game that aren't active on Twitter, that don't listen to every podcast under oh, the yeah. sun, that don't sort of engage in that way. They just have their weekly group and, and they do fact, this thing. And in that's probably the majority of them as well. Yeah. Well, exactly. And it's so easy for those of us who are so plugged in, it's so easy for us to sort of forget that point of view. But yeah. for those people, I think this is probably immensely important and sure, very yeah. possibly the first time they're seeing anything yeah, about absolutely. it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No. Wizards are the industry leader and they are making a statement. And yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. And we'll see more because like you said, it's not yeah. very much. <laughs> No. They've also, of course, got their um, what do they, do they call it? their lineage system now because they're not using the term race anymore, uh, and they've mm. got the ability to customize. It's only about a page, I believe, from what I've heard. Yeah, I think Again, it's I origin the is the way they call it, uh, yeah. and they are starting that process. I, you know, I think, uh, I think, sort of the core rules are going to hold tight to you know race based ability scores and those sorts of things at least until we get a sixth edition, mm. which the way five E is going is probably not going to be anytime soon. Uh, no, but yeah, no. I love that they have the option here. So you know, it's it's that acknowledgement of of yeah. other ways and other thoughts and. Mm -hmm. I've seen people commenting online that this is almost not maybe not quite almost an edition five point five. Would you agree with that? Again, I'm, I'm saying all this. I'm just saying stuff without looking at the book. Right. I feel quite. Hmm. <laughs> but given that you two have have, have actually seen it, uh, I'd say more of a five point one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I mean, thinking back, I was not. I I have played three point five, but I was not very into the hobby when that switch from three to three point five mm. happened. Mm. So I I can't speak to to what that experience was like compared to this one. But I agree with Peter. I think it's maybe a point one. I think there yeah. are some tweaks. Most of them are presented as optional, not as a whole new core system. Right. Yeah. Uh, mm. And and a lot of them aren't really changing the base sort of math of the right. game and the base yeah. sort of job of the DM. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
No. It strikes me that would be too big a change. Right? If you start messing around with the fundamental numbers behind the game, you're kind of almost going into a different game, aren't you? Mm. I, I think so. Yeah. And the bounded accuracy yeah. of 5e really leaves you very little wiggle room to make mm. big mathematical changes yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. without just doing a new edition altogether. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. It's definitely quite good points. I will shout out some of the art is phenomenal. I, I mean, I, I love all of the illustrations of Tasha in various places, but there's, all, I mean, every class has, uh, mm-hmm. every uh, class section that has the new subclasses has really neat art of all different, uh, you know, races and origins being that class. Oh. And there's, there's a, my, I think my favorite piece maybe mm-hmm. in the book is in the personalizing your magic section. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's an, there's an image of a uh, farmer gnome sorcerer who happens oh. to know the magic missile spell who uses magic missile to chase predators off of his farm but this is in personalizing magic so his magic missiles look like big glowing green attack chickens which i just (laughs) think is very cute (laughs) unleash the chickens that's right i think that i think that lovely. i'm afraid that uh, we're going to be unlikely to lay our hands on a physical copy in the uk until Uh, december it's not that far december a week or two yeah Yeah. a couple of weeks Yeah. yeah Yeah, COVID is delaying shipping everywhere at the moment. Yeah. It's frustrating, but there's not a lot you can do about it. Uh, do we have any more news? We've we do have them. more news. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Blue Rose RPG from Green Running? Ooh, that is one that's very LGBTQ I think we have, think we have mentioned it before on the show. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've not played, played it, but it sounds exciting. Exactly the same, Peter. Yeah. My my uh, my knowledge about it is is that uh, the standard default is that your character is queer in some way. Uh, so very popular, uh, very popular, particularly in the LGBTQ community. Uh, I say as a member myself. Uh, but yeah, that's really all I know much about it. What I, I miss the news about it though. Do tell. Uh, so yeah. obviously they describe it as a romantic fantasy game. Um, by romantic, it doesn't necessarily just mean sort of love interest, but it also means a, a sort of wide range of sort of social um, social elements. Yeah, sort so of. In I a think romantic it's, it's a literary term, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, um, but, very um, ironic. If you're not raging against the storm, are you really having a good role play? <laughs> well, 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 <laughs> well, the news <laughs> the news element of it is because because obviously yeah. Blue Rose has been around for ages, but um, hmm. the news element is uh, they have just released a quick start. For the oh. Blue Rose um, version, powered by their um, uh, adventure game engine, Age, A-G-E, mm. uh, which mm. you can pick up, I, I think, let me just check, is it for free? I think it's for free, because it includes okay. an adventure, the Rye Wolf's Woe, which okay. takes place in the vast wilderness of the Pavin Weald, a primordial old growth forest that is home to monsters and spirits. And Raidan, which are the sapient psychic animals of the Blue Rose setting. So if, if, yeah, so if you're if you're new to Blue Rose, you can now pick up the Quick Start, mm-hmm. uh, which contains rules and an adventure. And yeah, it does look free. Let me just double check. Yeah, yep, I'm totally free. On... Totally yeah. free. Yeah, I love that. I had a conversation with. Uh, James and Chicasso the other day about yeah. sort of mm. the importance of this type of well marketing I guess is what it ultimately is in the cynical view but this sort of uh, this sort of uh, availability of games mm. uh, you know how important it is to have not the full thing you know we designers and writers deserve to get paid for their work but mm-hmm. to have a sort of quick start exactly like this that has basic rules enough information to sort of wet your palate let you know what the game is about and mm. then go from there I agree. important because it's it's good marketing you know the first bit is free as they say uh, but also just important so that 
people who can't, you know, drop 50 bucks on a new game system but want to try something can hmm. can get a chance can to do, do it. I think that, it's very yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 Like being in a bookshop and leasing through a couple of pages with paperback before <laughs> yeah. taking it to the front desk and buying it. Yeah. That's yeah. what she was saying. Yeah, as yeah. I say, quick starts are definitely important. I agree entirely. Mm. I think the other mm-hmm. thing these days that's very important is that you need a demo as well. The video mm. demo that someone can watch your game not too long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. someone who's vaguely interested in your game just wants to check how it's played. It should be sort of about an hour, I think. Mm. And there should be a quick video demo they can watch just so they can get a basic idea of, mm. you know, what what this game is about, how it plays, how it yeah. how it feels, I guess. Because you can't necessarily get how a game feels in play just from reading it sometimes. Mm. Yeah, until you actually play it or see someone playing it. That's uh, always my like hang-up when I'm starting a new system. Particularly when I uh, somehow have been tossed into the GM seat of a brand new system <laughs> that I know nothing yeah. about. Which happens more often than I care to admit. Uh, yeah. That is always my thing. Is like, what is the tone? What is this? Suppo- well, quote unquote, supposed because we can play these games however we want, of course. Yeah, yeah. But you know, what is this intended to be? What is the feel uh, of this? How yeah. often should we be rolling dice? What kind of mm-hmm. interaction? You know, what level of sort of player agency versus DM narrative is there? All of those sorts of things. So yeah, a play video is uh, a short mm-hmm. like demo video is a brilliant idea, and mm-hmm. everyone should do it. Yeah, I yeah, said yeah. it. You all should do it now. Yeah, it's, 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 it's official now. Uh, it's, now, it's, now, it's now a rule. <laughs> Good, yes, write it down. It's but the law now. rises to power with the A0 books with <laughs> massive titles on the front, there will also be a compulsory 20-minute explanation of how to run the game. Okay, Perfect. vote for a third glorious decade of total law enforcement. <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> and the age system is the one that they use for dragon age and also the expanse as i recall so yeah 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 it's that kind of default sort of in-house um in-house system now isn't it okay yes uh so in other news i backed a kickstarter today did you just this morning yeah and it wasn't a cheap it might be the most expensive kickstarter i've ever backed wow okay there are more expensive kickstarters than this one Mm-hmm. But it's the most expensive one I've ever backed. So, are you you sort of familiar with like those pop up books where you open them up and stuff pops up? Yeah. Yeah. Now imagine a really big pop up book, and you open it up, mm-hmm. and D and D terrain pops up, and then you put your miniatures on it. Oh. Mm. And then imagine oh. if you've got like four different sets of these. So one of them's sort of like a dungeon set. One of them's a mm-hmm. cathedral set. One of them's uh, d- uh, a sci-fi set. Yeah, yeah. So you've got, you got these four different sets. Mm-hmm. And they look amazing. I think it's the best thing since sliced bread. As soon as I saw it, I couldn't help it. I had to back it. Uh, same thing for Morris. He loves a, he loves a, good, he loves a good RPG map. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is a downside. Uh-oh. Is it the price? It's the price. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it I paid, always? I paid $290. <laughs> well, I, I'm I have sure never done that before on a Kickstarter, and I suspect yeah. I never would again. That's, um... It's just, well, Sharon didn't listen to the podcast, eh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. That is. Uh, I gotta say that is a little bit rich for my blood. Um, yeah. Well, to be fair, you don't have to spend two hundred and ninety. That's if you want uh, the full set. You can pay one hundred dollars for a single set, mm. and for two hundred and ninety dollars, you get all three sets plus uh-huh. you get a bonus free set, which is the sci-fi one. So you get four uh, sets for two hundred and ninety. Uh, okay. Okay. 
But yeah, yeah. still, it's very expensive and more than... <laughs> I'm kind of thinking, oh my God, did I just do that? But I, I did. Yeah. I think it's very bold of them to start a Kickstarter for battle map type things mm. now when we are yeah. all being ordered to stay at home. <laughs> I did yeah. have that very reservation as I did it. Yeah, I was thinking, this is going to be really useful on Zoom. <laughs> But I did look at it. The delivery date isn't until October 2021. Oh, heavens. So, fingers crossed. Yeah. In truly. theory, yeah. I will get some use out of this. <laughs> Otherwise, that's the biggest waste of money I've spent. In- oh, I'm sure it'll look very cool on your, you know, coffee table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah you, you can take pictures of it with, like, little minis on it. I could, I could, I could. Yeah, yeah. I kind of rather play games with it, but, you know. You yeah, yeah, that would be the best option. Yeah, yeah. But but you know, if you it could add to your like online DMing presence, get camera set up so you can take pictures of the minis so people can see them as you move them around. It could be yeah. Like, uh, how how much there. effort do you think I put into my online gaming? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, sufficient desperation. Uh, but was, I did I did see those. I was thinking, well, I don't know. They I'm worried that they might collapse under the weight of models if I would inevitably put upon them. So, from the Kickstarter page, it, mm. they do say, and they do show pictures of models standing on top of the 3D structures. Ah. Yeah. So, in theory, yes, it is sturdy enough for that. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, we shall have to wait and see. But, yeah, uh, which is the name of the Kickstarter company? Okay, Upzone. Upzone. Up, Up-Zone. Pop-Up Wargaming Up-Zone. and RPG oh, Terrain System. And they Ooh. have made... All right. Huh. Nearly th- nearly $350,000 so far, with a couple of weeks to go. Okay. Good on them. I guess I was wrong about being bold <laughs> about in-person tools right now. Good well, partly that's because it's so expensive. Well, sure. Yeah. They, they, four people yes. have backed it. So. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, it's fair enough. It, it's sort of like it, it's nice that people are looking at I mean, it does look like good stuff. So it does. It does look fine. gorgeous. It does look gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. As soon as I as soon as I unpack it, my dog will eat it anyway. So, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it only well, lasts thirty seconds. <laughs> well, it's sturdy enough for those minis. It might last maybe, forty-five. Maybe, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Or have your cat stomp on it, like in the middle oh. of things. Like once he puts his paw on it, uh, it's like I've had his paw on my leg. He's a heavy boy, but yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, do you remember when yeah. Comic Relief played D and D? Oh, yes, yes, with uh, Paul Foxcroft and a bunch of UK yes. comedians. Uh, comic, comic relief uh, for Eugenio and our um, of listeners around the world is a big event in Britain, usually in... They have it in the US now. Uh, Red Nose Day, they have it in the US now. They have a... Yeah. Red Nose Day. It's expanded. Okay, it's expanded you know, right. across the Atlantic. It's in the US now, so... Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, basically charity fundraiser, um, which basically revolves around comedy so it's comedians and, and stuff yeah. um and it's it's a fairly big a big deal it does a big children in need telethon every year which tends to raise millions and millions for you know underprivileged kids in the uk and around the world yeah, yeah. Uh, so this time they're focusing on communities that have been badly affected by the sort of covid situation yeah. uh and they're doing another live stream D&D another four comedians four different comedians this time Paul mm-hmm. Foxcroft is running the game again is the DM again and the four comedians ah, this time are Phil Wang Lou Sanders yeah. 
Sally Phillips yeah. and James A. Caster. So these are all British yeah. comedians, so uh, American youth yeah. listeners will have no idea who those are, I imagine. But we know who right. they are. Well, uh, by we, you mean you. But yeah. anyone who watches <laughs> Taskmaster will know who they are, and Taskmaster yeah. is by definition the right. best thing on television ever. Uh, I believe this is a game show, which yes. I have not seen, where somebody <laughs> gives a bunch of comedians a task to do, and then they attempt to do it in whatever yes. fashion they can, and the results are, I'm assured, inevitably yes, hilarious. absolutely hilarious. But anyway, yeah. that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> that so, is not the point. So, okay, so the task of Taskmaster are going on? Well, they're, they're four people who happen to have been on Taskmaster at some point. There have been ah, many, many yes. people on Taskmaster. Right. Uh, so the way this works is you can pledge, and you right. can pledge to actually affect the story. Yes. And yeah. there's, a, there's a bunch of questions. So questions might be like, uh, what potent magical items would our team of adventurers discover during their quest? Or there's the final mm. confrontation will feature a creature summoned by the villain. And then the answers, they're all sort of comedic because it's, co- it's comic relief, are things like mm. uh, a snowman with ice axes, malevolent Christmas trees, gingerbread dragons. So, you know, it's all, it's all lighthearted family fun stuff. Yeah. It was very, very, very yeah. funny yeah. last year. Um, I, w- I was watching it, and I was just constantly creased over. Not the most difficult of tasks, I can see, but it's a very authentically <laughs> like a like a TV yeah. session with your mates, <laughs> like that you just happen to be watching. And you're like, oh dear, well, let's look at these idiots, yeah. bless them. <laughs> They're doing their best. And there was there was one fantastic bit where, like, if they reached eleven thousand pounds, then one of the players had to speak like like a frog, <laughs> and that would only stop when they reached twelve thousand pounds. Um, (laughs) but they burst through the barrier so quickly that they barely had time to get a rivet out this was last year i'm oh well it wasn't last year it was like six months ago it feels like 10 years ago okay Um, it does time's um, a flat circle in 2020 i know right um so so yeah it's just like it just they burst through it so quickly the poor poor person barely had time to go once Mm. it was shocking yeah, no, it was very, very, yeah. very good. So I'm looking forward well, to this. Well, this is one. on the 4th of December. So it's in a couple of weeks. 7.30pm GMT. Ooh, coming up. Yeah. yeah. Nice. It'll be fun. I don't know if any of these ones have played D&D <laughs> before. I think last year, at least one of them, I think Ed Gamble had, hadn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He uh, had a copy of the DMG. Did he? Didn't oh, he? right. There, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, and there were, <laughs> I think Paul dropped off at one point. And so I said, oh, step in and do something. Get the hence, get the hence. (laughs) So this isn't quite RPG news, and we don't normally cover this sort of thing because we're pretty RPG-focused, but um, it's Mm -hmm. it's mildly interesting. So the Mm -hmm. Star Wars tabletop gaming license, which Fantasy Fantasy Flight Games has had for quite a while, Mm. uh, has been restructured and the oh. miniature lines, not the RPGs, but the miniature uh-huh. lines, which is Star Wars, X Wing, uh, Armada, and one Ooh, more. What's the yes. last one? Oh, yes. Uh, Legion, I, I Legion. own this. I should know what it is. Yeah, Legion. Legion. Okay. Is moving to a different yeah. subsidiary called Atomic Mass Games. Mm. So it's moving from Fantasy Flight right. to Atomic Mass. Yes. So yeah. still owned um, ultimately by. Um, Asmodi or Asmodi or how, yeah. however you pronounce that company's name. Asmodee. <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. I've heard no. people say Asmodee. it so many different ways, yeah. I don't know myself. 
I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> but still ultimately owned no. by them, but they're, they're completely restructuring the whole thing into different sort of subsidiaries which are handling different things. So Fantasy Flight isn't handling any of the Star Wars stuff anymore, it looks like. Because they, because the uh, RPG stuff moved away from them what, last year, I think. I want to say. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Well, I, I don't know. Again, vaguely related, but potentially of interest to the RPG professionals. You recall the works of Alan Dean yes. Foster? Yes. Yes. Uh, who wrote a variety of books, including one Splinters of oh, yeah, the Mind Disney's Eye, refusing to pay in royalties. Yeah, book. I saw that. Oh, Disney's refusing well. to pay in royalties, and they're. Saying before he negotiates, he has to he has to sign a non disclosure agreement. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, I'm not doing that. That's <laughs> weird. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like it's this. This looks like it could potentially be a very interesting case for RPG creators because my again, not a lawyer. Don't take your legal advice from an RPG podcast or some guy on an RPG podcast. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, is that? Um, Disney took got the rights, but not the responsibilities to well, that's pay. What so yeah, so they, so they bought they bought Lucas they bought Lucasfilm what four or five years whenever it was a few years ago, and yeah, like, yeah. that includes all the sort of novelizations and stuff that Lucasfilm's produced yeah. over the years. So they so, but but also things like Aliens as well, not not from Lucasfilm, so that is another point mm. of contention because these books are still selling yeah. really well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they acquired those properties. They're still selling them, but they're not paying royalties on them, no. saying that they require, when they buy a company, they get yeah. all the stuff, but none of the liabilities. All of the assets, but none of the liabilities is basically what they're saying, which isn't how it works. Mm. I don't feel, no. I, again, not a professional. Don't think that's no. how that works. <laughs> no. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, certainly, calls for concern for people who, I don't know, work in a field where there's a certain amount of, like, you know, swapping the yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. yeah, Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. But uh, that'll mm. get settled and we'll never... And it probably will get settled privately as well, so we probably won't find out what happens. Oh, well, never know. Yeah. Not with the mouse. Yeah. Yeah, well, as long as, long as there's not a sort of legal precedent set that this is acceptable behaviour mm. in any way, that's yeah, fine. Right. Yeah, okay. big corporations behaving badly again. Yeah. <laughs> I know. My shark face. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> uh, so the last bit of news, uh, my Kickstarter ends mm-hmm. on Monday night, very quickly. Advanced yeah. Rules Miscellany, 5th edition rules modules, which has only been going for yeah. two weeks, and it ends on Monday night. So if yeah. you want to get in on that, it has funded several times over, and the rewards mm. will be filled immediately. But if you want those rules for battlefield events, archery contests, herbalism, chases, and hirelings... You can get on that as long as you do so before Monday night. Monday night our time, that is, as well. Ooh. So that'll be like lunchtime in the US. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're listening to this on Saturday, uh, seize the opportunity. Get, listen yeah, to yeah, go get it. It's just, it's just coming up to £10,000 <laughs> as I look at it now, which is very, very nice. Ooh. Yeah. Right. So tell us the name Advanced again. Advanced Rules Miscellany. Fifth edition rules module. Really snappy title. <laughs> oh yeah absolutely remember the first bit and find it from I there I thought of adding some more words as well but you know <laughs> yeah, it's really you know uh, I mean Russ is going for the really going for the diet titles <laughs> like his full fat titles like oh I don't know Morris's unofficial tabletop yeah, RPG tour <laughs> can be a little bit of a mouthful <laughs> but memorable yes. memorable because you can't remember yeah, sure. it that's, that, that that's right exactly I remember it said yeah. something about oh, yeah. I've lost it now it's got a lot of name recognition so <laughs> like, yes that's what yeah. it was called <laughs> hey, if it works it works anyway 
That's right. <laughs> Greetings, fellow adventurer. I am Aragorn, but you may call me Strider. We are pleased to have you in our fellowship, fellow traveller. We must pursue those orcs and rescue our hobbit friends. Tell me, what is your speciality? I am a ranger, a master of the wild. I live in tune with nature, roaming the forests and plains of the world, protecting all from the scourge of evil. Oh, that's great. Just what we need. Now... We need to plan our journey. Never fear, stout fellow. This is my area of expertise. Now, let me pull out this ancient map of... No, no, no need. The bard has just cast Find the Path. We now know the shortest route to our destination. I love magic. Oh, right, I see. Uh, Well, then, I guess we should set off. Indeed. Let us sully forth. It's an arduous journey ahead of us. (laughs) Fortunately, my friend, we have stumbled across my area of expertise. I shall fabricate the appropriate protective clothing and make a special herbal oil, which will... Don't be so silly. The druid is casting Endure Elements. There we go. We won't even notice the weather. (sighs) Right then. Um, I suppose I should at least gather some firewood. Lighting a fire in the rain requires my particular brand of expertise. Oh, look. The druid beat you to it again. A quick produced flame spell and voila. A warm, crackling fire. Yes, so I see. But we have nothing to cook on it. Let me unsling my bow and venture into the woods to hunt us some game. Oh my, that sounds like a lot of effort. Would you mind if the cleric here just cast a quick straight food and water instead? We're really rather hungry, you see. My, that is a lot of food. 45 pounds of it? There's only six of us. Well, we're certainly well fed. Can't complain there. Right, well, well, while you cook dinner, I might start constructing a makeshift shelter. Keep us safe overnight. Oh, won't that magical tiny hut the wizard just kind of do the trick? Right. Yes. Well, I suppose it will. I mean, we can make a magnificent mansion if you prefer. No, no, the hut is fine. So, uh, does anybody have any wounds that need tending? My area of expertise is herbalism. I can concoct a... Oh, will you look at that? The cleric just cured the rogue's wounds with a single word of prayer. So he did. Ah, look at that stag. It's likely seen anything that's passed here recently. My area of expertise is communicating with the beasts of the wild. Here, here, little staggy. Oh, sorry, would you, would you mind just stepping to one side, dear chap? The druid is just casting Speak with Animals. He'll have a little chat with the stag and find out exactly what's going on. You know, I'm starting to feel a little redundant here. No, 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 not at all, my comrade in arms. You couldn't be more useful. Hey, 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 be careful. Don't touch that plant. Look, I'll just make myself useful and check over all the vegetation and uh, make sure we don't eat anything poisonous. Oh, no, 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 don't don't put yourself out. A quick detect poison will do the trick. Simple spell. Oh, look. They're missing some special herbs for the soup. Finally! I can make myself useful. Right, my area of expertise is locating animals and plants. Mm, Are you as good as the spell locate animals and plants? (sighs) Probably not. Very well. I shall resume tracking the hobbits. Fortunately, this is my area of expertise. Now, let me get down on the ground and... Oh, sorry. The the wizard just cast the locate creature spell about half an hour ago. Get to the south. Under an oak tree. Oh, come on! It's 
Is something wrong, my wilderness compatriot? Look, you really don't need me. Every single one of my hard-earned skills forged in the wilds over a period of decades can be simply replicated with a quick magic spell. Oh, that's not true. Not all of your skills. Really? Pray tell me. What useful skill do I possess for which there is no spell? Well, the wizard forgot to memorise prestidigitation, and his shoes do really need a good shine. This podcast malarkey is quite good fun. True. We do get to talk to interesting people. They are very interesting, and we've had all sorts. Big names, old and new. But how do we know who to talk to? Well, sometimes our patrons give us suggestions. What, so we try and get the people they want us to talk to on? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, and obviously they get the fullest version of the podcast. The fullest? They do? Yeah, yeah, you know, all the funny stories and random jokes and digressions. Really? People are missing out on those? Well, they're not news, are they? Oh, come on, but that's all my favourite bits. How can you avoid missing out? Ah, uh, well, that's easy. Uh, so, just become a perfectly proper podcast patron. Perfectly proper podcast patron? What? How? Well, you head along to patreon.com slash morris and subscribe there. Oh, well, how much does that cost? $50 a month? You'd think. I mean, it's certainly worth $50 a month, but oh, yeah. uh, just a dollar. Is it? Mate, that's like 25 cents an episode. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Ah, patreon.com.morris. M-O-R-R-U-S. M-O-R-R-U-S. Cheers. I'll check that out. Right, into the Motherlands, which is a live stream on Twitch and uh, I believe yeah. an upcoming game as well, powered by, is it Cortex yeah. Prime you're using, the brand new one? Yes, indeed. So I, I haven't actually seen Cortex, it's not even out yet, is it Cortex Prime or is it just out? Uh, it has just maybe a week and a half ago or so uh, they made their uh, their playbooks Cutting edge. available Cutting for edge. purchase. So Into the mm. Motherlands is, um, if I've uh, understood this correctly, it's... Oh, that's very... Oh, that's a gorgeous Ooh. cover. That's the Cortex Ooh. Prime hardcover you're showing. Ooh. That is very, very yeah, colourful. Yes. Is that... Uh, is that embossed? Is that embossed? It is embossed. It is. So it's got like selective yeah. shiny oh, on the front gorgeous. and back. That yeah, is it's very, very nice. I want one now. Yeah. <laughs> I know. They sent them to the cast and I wasn't expecting mine. So it arrived and well, I was very excited. Well, after this Kickstarter's over, I'm going to buy one. You've just sold one to me. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm back to Kickstarter. Oh, this is so expensive. Oh, this, no. is the worst, this is the worst podcast ever. I, just, I lose money every week. <laughs> <laughs> my bank balance just goes down. But anyway, into the motherlands. This is what, what we're here to talk about, not my, my not my Kickstarter addiction. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but funded from Twitch. Sponsored by Twitch. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really interested in how that right? came about. We can yeah. talk about that in a sec. Though, but I think we better yeah. tell the listeners what into the motherlands is first. Though I think that's probably a yeah, sure. discussion before we dive <laughs> uh, into the details. That, that, there, there is so much unique and interesting about this, it's hard to know where to start, so hopefully I hope so you can help. a group of African explorers, yeah. Uh, yeah. a few hundred years ago, when, when, is it, when is this set? Medieval sort of period, that sort of time? Right, so well, the uh, the origin story, which is, which is what you're referring to here, yeah. uh, follows uh, an expedition... Hmm. 
that was sent out by uh, an uh, a Malian emperor emperor yes. named Mansa Musa, and he ah, lived and yeah. ruled in he the, the richest man in the world. Yeah. So yeah. that that or that's correct. That, so that, that part of the origin story broke the economy of North Africa. When correct. He hard. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Like, Oh, I've got a lot of gold. I hey. think, yeah, it, it seems the same to keep it to myself. Splash. Isn't he supposed to still be the richest man? So, ever? by some measures, you know, adjusting for sort of inflation and currency exchange mm. and all of that, by some measures, yes, he is still mm. uh, the richest oh, man in Jeff, history. Jeff Bezos yeah. is, is jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, clearly, yeah, it's the yeah. only explanation for why he continues yeah. to hoard his I money. I must beat that guy. I must do it. <laughs> he, he, he's not a dragon. No. Name. no. <laughs> but anyway, you were saying. <laughs> uh, right. So the origin story is is exactly that that Montezuma, the richest man in history, uh, sent out a an expedition of explorers across the Great Western Ocean, which of course mm-hmm. we know is the Atlantic Ocean, uh, to discover new lands. Uh, and they got lost in a storm, and through some science fiction jiggery pokery, ended up in a uh, wormhole that sent mm. them to another world. Uh, and so nice. the game itself, the setting itself, then takes place centuries later. Uh, once this expedition has landed in this new world, met the inhabitants of the new world, and and uh, created civilizations there alongside all of the other inhabitants of Musalia, which is what they name the planet that they land on after their emperor. Yeah, yeah. it does. It does. I was, I, was, I was watching it just yeah. last night. Actually, I'm really really fascinated by this. So. Can you talk a little bit about sort of the, the, the culture that they built there uh, and the sort of adventures that uh, the players uh, in the game? Obviously, the game doesn't exist yet, but when, when it does, <laughs> the sort of adventures that players might yeah. uh, find themselves embarking on. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in terms of what they've built, they uh, the, the story that we tell is that they uh, the explorers arrived and were pretty quickly met by uh, one of the other primary playable mm. uh, cultures in the game called the Hyenals. These are essentially mm. hyena people uh, that are extremely scholarly as a, yeah. as a sort of culture. Uh, they value knowledge and study and all of their cities have major archives in them. Anyway, uh, so these Hyenal people helped the Musalians adapt to their new world, showed them where they could begin to build new lives for themselves. Uh, and and so they did. And and so there is this culture of, of human-descended uh, people called the Musalians. Much of their culture, much of what the, uh, the names of their culture and the things in their culture harken back to uh, their Malian emperor, though obviously over the centuries, you know, actual connection to Mansa Musa and, and knowledge of, of him and mm. what he really was and what he really did may have perhaps yeah, been lost yeah. over the years. Uh, but so they have built, they have built a, a civilization primarily on this planet of Musalia, as they call it, Vatoa, as it's known to the Hyenals. And they have now become, you know, a, a spacefaring, exploring culture just like any other in, in our setting. Before I get to the types of adventures, you know, one of the things about the system and the setting is, of course, all of the quote-unquote humans in the setting are descended yep. from African explorers. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, and what we have really tried to do is create a culture that is sort of based around this idea of uh, a group of... African descended mm-hmm. humans who went to this world and created a culture for themselves that was not weighed down by the baggage yeah. of colonialism and slavery. 
they arrived in Musalia or in, on Vatoa, you know, long before any of that sort of seeped into that sort of generational yeah. DNA that uh, that black folks, that African descended folks, uh, sort of carry with them so at like all a times. Fork in, in the past, like an alternate his- history, sort of. Yeah, yeah very yeah. much so. Hmm. And and so it's you know, what can these humans? Uh, not not just that they are uh, black humans who don't have the history of slavery and, and colonialism, but also yeah. just humans mm-hmm. in general. You know, mm. what could we have built had we not taken that rather unfortunate fork down down the road that that is, you know, sort of now only now here in, in 2020 sort of getting yeah. a reckoning. So that's a little bit about about their culture sort of on a very basic level in terms of adventures. Uh, you know, it's funny. We did boldly go in our Kickstarter mm. game. Yeah. It is, in some ways, uh, a science fiction setting and game that mirrors Star Trek in that uh, when I've spoken to Tanya DePass, who is our creative director, and B. Dave Walters, who's our lead developer, uh, I was I am constantly checking in with them to ask exactly what you asked me, which is what sorts of stories do mm. we tell here? What kind of adventures do our characters go on? What is what is our thing here? And the details of the answer changes as we continue to develop the game, but at its core, it is always about uh, B. Dave in particular. His word is always exploration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, and that means exploration of the stars. It means exploration of things there on Musalia, uh, and it also, as we have begun to learn through playing the game, it also means uh, exploration of of the self and how you fit into this this setting, this world, this galaxy, mm. whatever it is, this sector uh, that we've created. And that sounds perhaps a bit woo-woo and abstract and whatever in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually we found that it, it it sort of very much, if, you, if you're interacting with the setting as we've created it, it sort of happens very naturally yeah. in some ways, mm-hmm. which has been really exciting to see. So yeah. mm. it's, it's, it's unusual in that you've got the live stream going before the actual game is <laughs> Yeah. It, yeah. Um, um, it, it's, it's, it's pretty cool, but it, as I say, it's like it's a really unique piece. So, because you're not on the creative team designing it, but you're sort of like a model GM and publicist sort of thing, is that? Yeah, very much so. I, I was originally contracted and signed on to be the storyteller for the mm. show, specifically. Mm, mm. But what we've sort of discovered is that, um, as any GM of any system ever does, there's a certain amount of creation and development that that a GM does for their own game. Uh, and so since we are in this unique yeah. position where sort of all development is new development, uh, I have I have sort of started finding myself, you know, joining the Slack channels sure. for yeah, developers yeah, and yeah. world builders and writers yeah, yeah. and things and and sort of participating in that end. And it is, it's, it's, it's wild <laughs> and it's a little nerve wracking at times that we are essentially sort of play testing content yeah, as we come yeah. up with it. And, I, you know, our audience has been, phenomenally not just understanding but excited yeah. about Ooh. that uh but it, it is a it is a unique pressure that yeah. i have not experienced before in yeah. my streaming career I, mean, I, I got i gotta say i don't think anyone i mean maybe there's like one two gms in the world who could say well, that. i'm just thinking it's kind of like because, a spin on the idea yeah. of a public play test isn't it but it's a live yeah. public play <laughs> test in front of people it's uh, yeah yeah, yeah. it's a great idea yeah yeah mm. Right. It's been it's been great and and you know oh. we've gotten we we have not 
at this point, mm. and I, I don't know, we don't have any plans at the moment, though, you know, there's a lot still to be decided. We've not at this point soli- actively solicited, you know, sort of feedback mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the mechanics and the system and all of that stuff like you would for mm. a playtest. But but watching the types of, of things that, for example, get fan art, ha- keeping an eye on that. Well, I, I generally don't keep too close an eye, but some of us keep a close eye on the yeah. chat uh, while we're streaming and seeing the sorts of things that, that our audience is asking questions about. You know, we have a Discord that has a watching live yeah. channel that it's a little a little calmer than the, the Twitch chat. So yeah. that as a source of feedback and information and mm-hmm. and uh, critique of the of the work in progress has been actually really great. You know, we've got a lot of good information about things that people are interested in that we should mm. flesh out more. It's yeah, it's been it's been wild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you've received a lot of positive. Is that we really have? I mean, we had you know we were completely shocked at how excited people were when we announced it long before we actually started. Well, not long before. It was a very short timeline here. But uh, a bit before we actually started yeah. streaming. From from the moment we announced, we had a lot of excitement. And, you know, like, like with anything, excitement pre-launch does not always necessarily mm. translate mm. to excitement <laughs> post-launch. But we've been really happy. We've, mm. you know, we people have been supporting us. It, Twitch has been wonderful. We're on mm. front page every week. Not always front of the carousel but we've gotten a lot of great people sort of wandering in and really enjoying it which is incredibly gratifying so can we talk a little bit about the sort of arrangement with twitch because is this the first time twitch has done that or actually sponsored a Uh, first time that i know about it and and i'll preface the beginning of this conversation with uh you know the details of the contract are the purview of Tanya to pass and her channel. And I I don't know too much about it, but uh, I'm happy to talk about what I can. And as far as I know, this is the first time that Twitch has partnered in the development Mm. of a new Mm. system in this way. Mm. You know, obviously they, they have all sorts of initiatives going with their streamers for all sorts of different things, but in terms of developing a new Mm. game, as far as I know, this is the first. But what's the relationship between sort of Twitch and fandom owns Twitch, or was it the other way around? Uh, so Twitch is owned by Amazon. Uh, I don't know that yeah. there is... No, Fandom owns uh, Cortex. That that's, that's, yes, that's Fandom owns Cortex, yep, yes. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we've... Uh, so they're, they're sort of our two yeah, main partners. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a few other, you know, uh, peripheral yeah. sponsors. So uh, this is maybe a slightly sensitive question, but have you had any pushback at all from the corner of the internet, which I... You know who I mean. Uh, <laughs> yes, on, I on the fact that you've cast um, a show completely with people of colour and uh, the setting is, you know, completely people of colour and so forth. Well, I sort of assumed there would be, to be honest, because, like, they just can't let other people enjoy well, them. yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I mean, like, they're... Let, let people enjoy themselves, you know. Absolutely. I, you know, there, there... No, it's all right. There has been uh, this sort of egregious stuff that is not in good faith and is not constructive and all of that. Uh, you know, those of us who are working on this yeah. project, uh, we are all black folks and people of color, and we are all very good at curating our social media yeah. timelines for that sort of thing already oh, anyway. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so to be completely honest, I I personally have not had to interact with that level of of sort of pushback. The one thing that I have seen that that I I, uh, I think some of the times that this has come up, I actually do think that people are asking earnestly, which is sort of its own mm. problem, uh, if I'm honest. But um, the one thing that I have seen several times is, you know, as a uh, people coming to us and saying, as a as a white person, am I allowed to play this right. game? A- and 
The answer, of course, is yes. I have been playing role-playing games that feature white people for my whole life, and I'm not a white person, so if I can do it, so Mm. can you. Um, That's been sort of uh, the biggest sort of racially focused pushback that we've had. And I don't even, I mean, some of it has not been in good faith. I don't know that everyone who has asked us that is 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 truly asking us that in bad faith. Uh, but if you're listening and you have that question, please understand that, that yes, we yeah. want you to play the game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you are not barred from the game. You're not barred from watching the game, from playing the game, from buying the game when it comes out. Uh, and, that and That's you know, yeah. right, 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 right. And, and if there is some personal discomfort on your end in playing a game that portrays all humans as folks of color, then, uh, you know, that's, a, that's sort of a thing for, for mm. you to unpack. But mm. on our end... No, we're we're very happy to have everyone play the game. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it's like um, one of our previous guests, uh, James Mendez Rose, uh, wrote uh, like a really good article about playing people of a different color from yourself. Uh, it's like, yeah, that's it is an important thing because like there are many people who don't feel comfortable doing it because they're like, well, yo, am I being racist? Because nobody right. wants to be racist. Right. Not even racists want to be racist. They hate it. When <laughs> right. They get really upset. <laughs> they, about hate it. Like, they hate that. They hate that. They're racist. Mm. Yeah, and there is definitely, you know, there, the, the, this is a much longer conversation this that I, I don't, we don't I'm, necessarily I'm have to have, but there mm. are pitfalls and there are things to worry about and there are things to watch out for if you are going to play, you know, another another race, another sexuality, another gender, mm. all of these things, right? One of the things about Motherlands, though, that sort of <laughs> makes it even easier is is the core concept is that these are, yes, these are black people. These are African-descended humans, but the point is that they left before that meant what it means to us, right? right. That had the baggage of slavery and racism and colonialism, right? You are playing a person in this setting who happens to be descended from Africans and happens to have dark skin, but... Have a very different mindset. Right, exactly. Mm, mm. And so in some ways, a lot of the pitfalls of sort of, you know, racist tropes and racial stereotypes and all that things, uh, if you do it I don't, again, I don't want to say correctly because everyone can play things in their own way. But if you do it the way we intend, mm. I'll say, uh, then a lot of that is off the table yeah. anyway. Yeah, because it just wouldn't make any sense within the setting. Well, right, yeah, yeah. right. And we've mm. we've been very conscious of trying to, uh, trying to as we set up, both in the writing and in the stream, as we set up conflicts uh, mm. and as we set up obstacles and things like that, we do our best to make sure that, that as little, if any of it, uh, as little as possible, if any of it, is based in sort of even new mm. versions of racism and racial stereotyping and sort of that sort of thing. It's one of the reasons that we call the different groups cultures and not races. And there's still work to be done there to really fully separate yeah. the concept, but we're doing our best to help you in every way that we can by creating a setting that just doesn't interact with that. You can tell Epic stories, you can have adventures, you can have bad guys without having, you know, racism yeah, and that yeah. sort of oppression and all of that stuff. Uh, and you know, Many of us in the in the design space have been crowing about that for for a very mm-hmm. long time, and so now this is just us saying, "Hey, look, we, we, uh, yes, we've been saying it for a long time, and for mm. the most part, y'all haven't done it, so we'll do it and show you." Uh, mm. And here it is, you know, yeah. a setting that doesn't require racism to have conflict, and that has black folks that aren't, uh, you know, yeah. oppression yeah. porn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so whose brainchild is is into the motherland? Is it? Uh, it is primarily Tanya yeah. DePass's. Uh, she sort of came up with the core concept. Uh, she brought us all together. Uh, she knew that she wanted to do a project like this, and she sort of came up with the core 
uh, ideas of it. B. Dave then was sort of the first person on board to expand upon mm-hmm. her ideas, and then the rest of the team was brought in. And what's, what's the sort of uh, timeline we're looking at for the game itself? Is it? I mean, is it? Is it half written? Is it? How far are we through on that? So yeah, it's a great question that I'm <laughs> okay. sort of not answer. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> no, no, it's all right. I don't, it's actually good for me to sort of think about this thing. So we uh, will wrap up uh, the season of our the first season of our stream, and I say yeah. first season. Uh, hopefully, not with any actual concrete information, but we're all sort of hoping yeah. we get more seasons. Uh, but we'll wrap the first season just before the end of the year, and that sort of ends our agreement with Twitch at the end of the year. In terms of the development, we're currently working on, because there's a lot to consider with Cortex being such mm-hmm. a new system and being owned by fandom who, you know, it's their baby and mm-hmm. it has only just been released. So there's a lot of things that they're still sort of working out in terms of uh, publications from third parties. And is it going to be licensing? Is it going to be, what is all of that going to be? So right now, our focus actually, aside from the stream itself, is a quick start guide, which oh, we yes. talked about earlier. Yeah. Uh, a sort of basic version that gives you the highlights of the setting, of the version of Cortex that we use for the game, enough about playable cultures and uh, what we call professions. So that is sort of our focus mm. right now to get that quick start out while we continue to uh, work with with fandom and Cortex specifically just to figure out what we want the final yeah. version that is out there for sale for publication to look like. Uh, Timeline wise, I, I don't want to I, I don't want to uh, lock <laughs> no, our developers into anything, but yeah. I think in the first I, I think because we want to really capitalize on the excitement and the momentum, I would say sometime in the first yeah. quarter of next year, we will do our best to get yeah. that quick start out. I've, I've heard, I don't know where I heard it, but I've heard that uh, the design team at least is talking to Cam Banks quite a lot in New Zealand. He's uh, obviously the author oh, of Oh yeah, I've been, I, and I've, I've been a part of all of yeah. those talks, uh, and Cam is the is the principal. Uh, let me let me actually look at what his official title for Cortex <laughs> oh, is. But yeah. he's he's the yes. dude that yeah, created yeah. it. Yeah. Is the right. is my version of it. Yeah. Uh, oh, he's credited as writing, design, and yeah. development. So Cam then. Banks yeah. in the book. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. So we have from from day one that we started working on the mechanics uh, and knew that we were going to mm. use Cortex. We have been in meetings with him and I've had sessions with him where, you know, we just sit down and he says, you know, for this upcoming session, what doesn't make sense? What do you need? You know what? And, and in addition to answering questions for me, he has been so, so gracious in terms of allowing us to come to him and say, we want yeah. to do this. How do we do it? And he can either say, well, we have these, you know, mods that will allow you to do it. Or, oh, good question. I don't think there's anything quite like that. Let's create right. it. Uh, so he's been he's been a wonderful partner for us. Yeah. Uh, and, and I really yeah, am very grateful. He's a good egg. He is. It, sounds, it, like sounds, it sounds a bit like uh, you if you started doing it in 5th edition and Jeremy Crawford was like, oh, just, just pop in. Yeah. Ask any questions you have and I'll, I'll explain them. Very much. Or how it works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Very much so. Um, do, uh, do you have any knowledge of sort of what sort of support is also planned? I, don't, I know you're not on the development side, but when the game comes out, is there going to be sort of adventures or... Uh... So the plan is to have at least two mm. adventures. One of them will likely be the codified, written-out version of what we're doing on stream Mm -hmm. for season one. And that adventure was uh, outlined and written for me by Jasmine, uh, that bronze girl on Twitter and Twitch. Uh, Jasmine has been a wonderful writing partner for that. Uh, We do have another adventure already in development. We haven't decided if we're going to use that, if we do, in fact, get 
subsequent seasons if we want that to be on stream or if we want to have one of the adventures in the eventual book be uh, surprise, you know, brand yeah, new to everyone. Yeah, mm. yeah but uh, but the, the idea right now uh, yeah. is that there will be probably two adventures that we are able yeah. to release. So if we talk a little bit about the stream itself, because obviously you're the uh, GM, uh, not GM, storyteller, I believe is the term used in. Yeah, the storyteller, storyteller uh, is what we uh, went of, with. Of yeah. the game, and you've got a wonderful cast. Uh, are you able to sort of tell us a little bit about the plot of the stream without spoiling it for people who haven't seen it yet? How far can we... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So our four players have been hired by an organization known as Torch, uh, which is sort of a humanitarian aid intergalactic uh, organization. They've been uh, hired by Torch to go to a planet called Hathare that is experiencing some uh, water supply right. issues. Uh, and the reason that uh, a major organization like Torch is involved is that Hathare is a primarily agrarian planet that provides the food for a lot of systems in mm that sector and throughout the galaxy uh yeah, so the basket sort of place yeah yeah exactly mm. so the water shortage is is a worrying problem for for many many systems uh and so they're sent out to investigate what caused it uh and do their best to fix it if they can or at least bring back word of what the problem is so that it can be addressed Hmm, there we go. That wasn't too spoilerific, was it? That was, that was good. <laughs> no, I tried my best. <laughs> yeah, we've got a wonderful cast, but I do have to ask, which one's your favourite? We won't tell them. Uh, <laughs> no one else will hear this. <laughs> yeah, no, this is completely between the three of us. Um, I mean, obviously I can't pick a favourite child. Well, which one's uh, the worst? Which one's... <laughs> go! Do you know, yeah, I think my... I'll say yeah, this. I think my, my sort of favourite pairing or interaction or thing that I find the most hmm. fascinating so far uh, is the the tension between two of our characters that are played by mm -hmm. Tani DePass, uh, who is one of our players, and Christina Ariel. Uh, their characters are very different. Uh, Christina plays a Monsagene, which is uh, our android race, our sentient mm -hmm. android race, who has just recently, before she began this mission, had her systems updated to handle mm -hmm. emotions, which she's not very good at yet. And Invicta, which is Tanya's character, is a Hyenol, uh, who has a lot of sort of, we are learning, has a lot of sort of insecurities and sort of uh, very specific boundaries that Sila doesn't know how mm. to navigate, being new mm. to sort of emotional creatures and emotional intelligence. And yeah. so the two of them have butted heads quite a bit. And I, that is a thing that was not in any way planned by me. Mm. I had no hand in yeah, that sort of character game. development yeah. storyline. Yeah. And it's been it's been one of the things that is the reason that I say, you know, the exploration of the self is such an easy and organic part of of this mm. setting in this system. The two of them have really dove in. They have occasionally found mechanical ways to represent their face off uh, and their their butting of heads. It's been it's been really amazing. And watching the other two players, uh, DJ Knight and Michael Sinclair the second, watching their characters interact with these two yeah. while they're fighting has also been amazing. So I know that isn't the answer to the question that you asked, but... Um. It's an answer to the question that yes. have asked, which is, what's been your favourite interaction? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was there if you read between the lines. Yeah. There you go, that's right, that's right, that's right. Um, so you're using Cortex Prime, as we, as we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, so what was what was the thinking behind the choice of Cortex Prime? What makes Cortex Prime the right the right system for this game? 
Well, the the primary thing I think about Cortex is that it is the the point of it is that it is modular, that it is changeable, that it is adaptable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we very very early on you know, toyed with lots of different ideas. We thought about, is this a D&D setting? We thought about, is this a brand new yeah. uh, system created whole cloth by our development team? None of that felt quite right. And to be honest, the the brand new system developed entirely by us uh, was largely thrown out because we had a very truncated timeline before we needed to start <laughs> streaming. Because uh, <laughs> Twitch wanted this content yeah. out by the end of the year, which is, which is fine. It's actually made us uh, sort of move things more quickly, which has been great for us. But so we ended up with Cortex because we knew that as we developed it, Cortex could handle our changing needs. Uh, If you're not familiar, the idea behind Cortex is that they have a very core set of rules, very, very simple core set of rules, and then they have what they call mods uh, or modules, which are optional rules that you can add on, and and they span Mm. everything from the very basic, uh, sort of like what are the stats on your character sheet, to the, you know, incredibly granular and complex, like how to create, uh, you know, Cortex's equivalent of magic items, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But that sort of customizability that's built into the system from the beginning felt like what we needed because we knew that we were going to be playing and changing things Mm. as we went and we needed a system that could adapt with us. Um, Can you talk a little bit about, uh, just for those people who've never played Cortex, how the the, the basic core mechanic of Cortex and how that works? Yeah, of course. Uh, So the the core dice mechanic of Cortex is, uh, they're called... tests and contests, and you interact with them by creating dice pools. So whatever you decide to have on your character sheet, you can sort of pick different what are called distinctions, which are just different ways to represent the different aspects of your character. Whatever you decide that is for your version of Cortex, for whatever game you're playing, when you want to do something that has a Mm -hmm. chance of failure... You look at those different distinctions and you say, well, I think this one applies in this way and this one applies in this way and this one applies in this way. And each of those distinctions has dice ratings. So it's all about, you know, if you're very good at it, you might have a D12 in it. If you're very poor at it, you might have a D4 or a D6. And so as you're going through and saying, okay, well, these different aspects of my character apply to this situation that I want to accomplish. You grab those dice based on what distinctions you think are relevant and you roll them. To simplify things even further, which is one of the things I love, you can pull uh, as many dice as you have distinctions Mm -hmm. on your sheet. The number of dice for your pool is limited only by the different categories on your character sheet. But the result is limited to just two of the dice Um. that you roll. So you pick whichever two you want to use add them together, and that is your total that is then compared to the storyteller or the GM's uh, difficulty setting, and then, you know, play Mm. continues from there. So it allows lots of variation. It encourages narrative use of mechanics. You know, why does your background as, in our case, let's say, um, a a Musalian human, right? Why does that background you know, make you likely to succeed at this thing. So it encourages that sort of narrative. It allows you to toss in as much story as you want, but it keeps the ultimate math very simple. You're adding two numbers together, done. Yeah, that's and that's that's the basic of it, right? Yeah. And everything else is is uh, well, yeah. not everything. But most other things <laughs> are sort of yeah. optional, yeah. Uh, optional yeah. fluff for you. Yeah. So this isn't the first. I mean, I think you know everyone everyone knows anyway. But this isn't the first um, Cortex edition as being Cortex Prime is like the, the very latest one, as, as we mentioned earlier, is literally oh. just out in the last week or two. But um, <laughs> it's been going back sort of 
10, 15 years or so. Yeah. It powered uh, yeah. things yeah. like Smallville, Smallville and Firefly. when Margaret Weiss Productions had it years and years ago. A whole bunch mm. of TV show related. Supernatural, I think, was one of yeah. them. And oh, I don't remember that. Star maybe, Galactica, yeah. maybe? Uh, yeah, there was definitely Smallville. Yeah. There was definitely Smallville. Mm-hmm. And there was a... Oh, I've talked to Cam about them all, and now, of course, I can't remember any of them. Uh, but but there was definitely a Smallville one, because we've, we've talked yeah. about that one quite a bit with some of the powers that were in that one. I think there was maybe a fantasy one. There was a yeah, sci-fi a one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And then, yeah. Uh, then, of course, Fandom acquired Cortex from Margaret Royce Productions last year or something like that. And uh, yeah. and brought out this latest edition of the game. Uh, 2016. Oh, was it that long ago? Uh, no. Oh, that wow. long ago was I thought it was more I recent it was than like that as well. 2019. Fandom acquired the rights Cortex from NWP and hired Cam Banks, who was a lead on Cortex Plus. Yeah, yeah, it looks like. yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds right. It was all funded via right. Kickstarter in April 2017. Yeah. There you like, go. Changing from drama action and heroic. And they've got all sorts of new stuff in development now as well. They're yeah. they're working on a version of Cortex for uh, Tales, Tales of Zadia, I believe it's called, yes, set Dragon in Prince. the Dragon Prince universe. Ah. Cam and I have talked actually a lot yeah. about that one because we uh, um, we we were able to see some of the early drafts yeah. of their character sheets for that, and we it's actually pulled of the some universe ideas as well, I believe, isn't it? Oh, yeah, they're doing yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're snapping up licenses oh. left, right, and center. They're definitely spending money, aren't they? Aren't yeah. They? Wow. Well, and, and that's and that's sort of the beauty of of Cortex is that not only is it able to adjust and adapt to our needs, but you can t- I mean clearly you can tell any mm. sort of story. Uh, there are there are rules and mods that allow you to do romances and superheroes and science fiction and fantasy yeah. and all everything in between. Yeah. So yeah, so into the motherland. So it's on Twitch now. How far through mm. are you now on the first season? This, so we're recording this, what, on November mm-hmm. the 20th, Ooh. and this Sunday will be our eighth episode Ooh, of 12. Three quarters, so two thirds of the way through. Yeah. Five episodes yeah. left. Yeah. 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 hopefully there's going to be a second season, but we don't know yet. Is that the, uh, fingers, fingers crossed? Fingers crossed, yeah. yeah. Is, it, is that kind are. of dependent on well, Twitch, or is that, uh... Uh, at the moment, it's dependent on Twitch, and in the event that they decide to pass on a second season, then yeah. it will be upon us to decide if we want to sort of uh, find yeah. a way to fund our own continuing work. Tanya has said, uh, and this has always been true, that uh, you know we are all getting paid for our time, whether we are on stream, writing, developing, world building, whatever. And so if there is to be a season two, uh, we will... Uh, and and Twitch decides to pass, mm. then we will have have yeah. to find a way to to fund it because mm, mm, mm. Uh, we shan't be taking advantage no, of anyone's time. That would be bad, Absolutely. and we well, don't want to do that, do we? Indeed, the creatives deserve to get paid for their work. Absolutely. So, what sort yeah. of audience do you have? Like, uh, how many? I, I realize this might be a very vague question because obviously, like, do you record the streams? Like, if people want to catch us, is it hitting up YouTube? Yeah, so we do. So uh, every so we stream live on Sunday evenings yeah. uh, at starting at uh, well midnight uh, GMT. Uh, <laughs> sorry about it. Well, well, uh, well, we have a lot of American listeners as well. So what time do you start local? Oh, there you go. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Uh, so uh, those are those air on Sundays live, yeah. uh, and then the following Tuesday we do a premiere on uh, Cipher of Tears. YouTube channel, so sort of a live premiere uh, that people can come and watch together, uh, a live replay of that, and then it's available for video on demand yeah. on the YouTube page. Uh, after that, we also do. Uh, it's not. It's not engineered. Uh, it's not edited or engineered, but we do have a podcast version where we just grab the audio from the stream uh, and release it as as an audio podcast for those who, oh. which we want people to nominate. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Nominate do that. Thing. Uh, nominate this. Certainly. Yes. 
Not, not nominate yeah, the absolutely. last refuge, uh, which is the. Eastern well, I wouldn't mind that as well, uh, <laughs> if I'm honest. But <laughs> oh, is, that, is, that, is, that, is that a different one? Have I got that wrong? Uh, the Last Refuge is, is my D and D podcast. D, <laughs> right? Oh, I must have got that completely right. That's uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, so yes, yeah, so we do have that podcast out, and we're hoping that if we manage to get a second season, we might be able to uh, add into the budget some audio engineering and some audio editing, mm. so that we can uh, sort of tidy up that the podcast version. But that's that's for down the road. So yeah, lots of lots of ways to watch live and otherwise. Um, yeah. Uh, and what sort of audio? Did that answer your there? question? Well, well, oh yeah. 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 In terms of size or in terms of who they are? Oh, I, I was thinking in terms of size. Um, okay, great, because I don't know who they are. <laughs> oh, well, uh, there's there's Bob and there's... They're, they're very lovely bold. in terms of... Wait a minute, I've got a list here, right. They're lovely and we appreciate them. I don't know. Um, yeah, well, to be honest, it's we have a great, great audience every week, uh, but our numbers are, are pretty swingy because we're on the front page of Twitch every week, because we're partnering with them. Uh, our numbers are very swingy based on where in that little front page carousel we are. So uh, a couple of times we have been what's called the what uh, what what we in the industry, not me, I don't know, I'd never heard this term before, uh, but what we call the hero spot, which is the very first one that pops yeah. up when you type right. in twitch.tv. When we had that spot, we had live audiences in excess of wow. 20,000 people, wow. uh, which was amazing. And we maintained yeah. them for the majority Ooh. of our three-hour session, which was incredible. Uh, even when we don't have Hero Spot, though, we hmm. we usually can bank on at least, you know, 1,000 mm. to 1,500 folks yeah. live yeah. with it us, is. which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and then sort of everything in between. You know, we've gotten nine to 10,000. We have, you know, really sort of skimmed 1,000. But but yeah, it's been a, it's been an amazing, yeah, amazing like, audience yeah. base that's come are to us. Big audience. Um, it feels like football game size. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And 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 like I said, it's that retention that we're so oh. very proud of and so very happy with. You yeah. know, if you have the hero spot on on the front page of Twitch, you can bang on twenty thousand, yeah. uh, and that is what it is. But then mm. but then you know people sort of wander mm. in and they wander back yeah, out. Yeah. Our retention was yeah, what we sure, were most yeah. excited and proud of. Yeah. They, they they came to say and they liked what they saw, which is kind of well that or they just hate watch, which you know, we'll take that too, I guess. <laughs> as long as you're watching, we don't care why. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> We've got your eyes all down. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a real pleasure, and you've been a wonderful oh, guest. Yeah, it's been a blast. Yeah. I, 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 I was Thank just, you I, so much for having me. I was just hoping that possibly you could give us like the elevator pitch for the last refuge. Which I'm only sorry oh, we haven't certainly. Had time. I'm sorry we haven't had time yeah. to get more there, but go for it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we are, we are, we just about a month ago started our seventh season. So lots of backlog nice. if you want something to binge. Mm -hmm. uh, about three and a half years we've been going. Uh, and the idea is that three Azimar and a tiefling uh, at the very beginning of our story woke up in a new world and had no memory of how they got there or mm -hmm. why they were there. Mm -hmm. uh, they eventually discovered that they had been sent there uh, by a uh, by a god who the cleric of the party worshipped uh, to sort of prepare the way for him. But things were not nearly as simple as they uh, were originally led to believe. Uh, and they've discovered that, in fact, this world is a very volatile and dangerous place as they've uh, explored it. And they've sort of come to love the world and are now in the process of sort of Ooh. protecting it from the god that wants to come uh, and and build a place for himself in this world. And that one's a D&D &D stream, yeah? yeah. There's a D&D, yeah. &D, yeah. And we uh, uh, new episodes every Wednesday, all the major podcast catchers. A 
great fun team. Uh, it's it's a very is not serious. We're very silly. We've all been friends for years and years and years, and have played together for years and years. And one day, sort of thought, as we were joking and and, and talking about previous campaigns, we sort of said, "Oh, that moment wasn't that so funny when? Oh, what was it that happened?" <laughs> And we thought, well, we should record these because we'll never remember them as well. And then it was sort of, well, since we're recording them anyway, why, why don't just, we? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and there it goes. But yeah. thank you, everybody, for listening this week. It's been a blast as always. Next week we have who do we have next week, Peter? Next week we have Adam Lawson on the Asunder RPG, which is an RPG set in a world completely without metal. Wow. Well, we'll see you next week. Until then, it's goodbye from me, Russ. And it's goodbye from me, Peter Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. And it's goodbye from me, Eugenio Vargas, storyteller of Into the Motherlands. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, that's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Hey, 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 Peter, do you think my talents lend me to musical theatre? Um, definitely to radio. <laughs> <laughs> radio plays are a thing. Not. It's not a no. Yeah. Absolutely. You do do not want to hear my singing voice. Or do you? I mean, no, it's okay. It can be arranged. (laughs)